0: This is the Tanakh podcast with Alex Israel. Today, Yeshayahu Perakhei, Isaiah chapter 5. In order to give the, some background to chapter 5, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the era in which we think this happens. The period of King Uzziah in Yehudah and King Yerovam ben Yoash in the north in Israel. In many ways, these are the best of times. What do I mean? The kingdom has just survived 70 years of Aramean domination. The Arameans were a very cruel ruler who Gave a lot of trouble to um, both the northern and the southern kingdom, and suddenly Israel finds themselves in a period of bounty and a period of strength, in a period of of great wealth. In the south, the country rules all the way down to Elat; it controls all different colonies, the colonies of Edom and others in the north, all the way to Aram, and therefore the the, the numbers of taxes coming into the country. We read in Sefer Devei Hayamim. Uh, about all the phenomenal uh, agricultural prosperity, the wars that are fought on every single front, then Israel is victorious, the power, the military hardware that they have. And therefore, the standard of living shoots up. You know, as far as everybody's concerned, there are foreign investments. How would we put it our way? Foreign investments. The Shekel is so strong. Um, they've joined the OECD. And standard of living has risen. And here's the problem. When you read the book of Amos, which talks about the Northern Kingdom, and when you talk, read the book of Ishayahu, we hear about the exploitation by the wealthy classes of the poor. In other words, the wealth is not shared. And the other um, impression here is that people have no premonition that anything can go wrong. Nobody thinks that this uh, era of the living is easy can come to an end. However, Yishayahu knows different. What is coming on the horizon is the great Assyrian um, advance. Assyria, Ashur, capital Ninveh, who is going to be the, the largest and fiercest empire that the country has ever had to contend with. And Yeshayahu is warning that we simply don't have the societal resilience. We don't have the values which are going to enable us to survive that period and something needs to be done. And therefore, when Yeshayahu is going to warn about ruin and destruction and exile and everybody just laughs at him, nobody thinks it can happen. It's a really hard thing when times are so good to be a prophet of doom. To be a critic critic of society and that maybe explains why Yeshayahu begins our chapter with a song Shirat Dodi and let me sing for my beloved a song of my lover about his vineyard you know what i'll read it in english just to save time and my beloved had a vineyard on a fruitful hill he broke the ground cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines he built a watchtower inside it. He even hewed a winepress in it. He intended to make fine grapes, you know, wonderful vintia, but they came out all sour. And now, dwellers of Chusam, men of Yudah, you be the judges between me and my vineyard. In other words, help me out. And he says, what more could i have done what more could i have done for my vineyard what did i fail to do with it why when i hoped it would yield fine grapes did it yield sour grapes what's the prophet doing here you know if you are have ever had to be in a public speaker the most important thing of a public speaker is to get the attention of the audience you can do it with a story you can do it with uh, um Uh, questions, uh, maybe tell a shocking statistic. But the most important thing is to get everybody's attention. If everybody knows what you're going to say, they're not going to be intrigued. They're not going to be drawn in. Yishayahu goes to the people, and as you will see later on in the chapter, they're very interested in their drinking. They're very interested in their wine. And therefore, um, he starts talking about a problem somebody has with a vineyard, And by the way, the details here are are absolutely fabulously accurate for the type of farming that happens in the hills of Yehuda. Uh, It talks, for example, about removing it of stones. And if you know the earth, I live here in Gush Etzion, and you simply can't start planting without removing a whole layer of stones. The fields are incredibly stony. Um, And so he, he draws people in. And of course, we're going to get to the punchline. And what's the punchline? Well let's keep reading a little bit he says now i'm going to tell you what i will do to my vineyard i'm going to remove its hedge so it may be ravaged i'm going to break down the wall so it may be trampled i'm going to make it into desolation i'm going to just abandon it so it won't be pruned or hoed and it shall be overgrown with all sorts of weeds and thorns and i'll command the clouds to drop no rain on it for the vineyard of the lord of hosts is the house of Israel, Kikera Hashem tzvakot Beit Yisrael, Veish Yehuda Natah Shuav, and now we have one of the most fabulous phrases, Vayekavle Mispat, just like he hoped for good wine, Vayekavle Mispat, he hoped for justice, the Ne Mispach, and instead it has become contagion, Mispach, usually used in in the perspective of sarat. In other words, you, I hope for justice, but it's become a corruption. Litzdaka I hope for charity and righteousness, and it has become screaming. By talking this way in the marketplace and getting people interested and intrigued in the in the in the mashal in the parable, people start listening, and suddenly they hear that what's happening is that the owner of the vineyard is going to. Basically abandon the vineyard, allow all sorts of animals to trample the vineyard. Interestingly enough, if anybody studies Baba Kama, you will know that the two things that animals are liable for is shane Varegel, that they eat and they trample. And here, too, you will notice that he removes the thorns at the top, which stop the animals getting in. So it will be ravaged. Right. Um, and you make break down the wall and it will be trampled who's going to be trampled the Jewish people what follows this mashal what he's essentially saying is I had such great hopes for you oh you people of Israel I thought I'd done all the work I needed to do says God in order to make you the choicest the best the finest nation on earth but you've corrupted yourself in such a way that you're beyond repair. And therefore, what we're going to see here is six statements here. One in Pasuk Chet, Hoy. Hoy means basically, <laughs> Oi, Oi, or Woe, right? Where six statements, Pasuk Chet, Pasuk Allah, verse 8, verse 11, verse 18, verse 20, verse 21, verse 22, hoy 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 basically oi or woe. and what's he going to accuse them of all sorts of different things number one of expanding their properties such that there is absolutely no room the 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 poor have totally been edged out of society therefore he says your houses will be destroyed he talks about those people who wake up in the morning who just want to drink who just want to have a party they want music the the, the classes who you know, have so much money they don't know what to do with it. The people who have sinned so much that now their thin, sins are like thick ropes, which can which can carry a, a wagon. Verse twenty. Some people's values are so skewed that they call good bad and bad good. They make darkness into light and light into darkness. They make sweet into 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 sour and sour into sweet. Everybody's got their values upside down. It's those people who think they're so wise. Those mighty people who all they know how to do is drink wine. These are, this is a terrible uh, prophecy and it ends off with an Again, an exquisite speech about what's what's coming around the corner. I'll read it in Hebrew and then I'll translate it in English. He says, You know, I'll read it in English. He tells us who this army, who is coming. He says, We're going to, we're going, he's going to raise a sign to welcome the, a nation from afar. Where it comes with lightning speed, in its ranks, none is weary or stumbles. They never sleep or slumber. Their belts on their waist don't come loose. Their sandals never break. Their arrows are sharpened. All their bows are drawn. Their horses' hooves are like flint. Their chariot wheels like the whirlwind. Their roaring is like a lion. They roar like the grace beast's. When they growl and seize prey, they carry it off and none can recover. And he ends off the parak here. If you think there's any relief, there isn't. They're going to roar over it like the roar of the sea. There's going to be distressing darkness, darkness with the descending clouds. This army, which is the Assyrian army, the army of Ashur, never puts a foot wrong, never misfires, never, you know, every single soldier is is perfect. Every bow is pulled back. You better realize that some serious trouble is coming around the corner. And how exactly are you, you society who are drunk with pleasure, who have no internal cohesion because of the gaps between wealthy and poor how are you going to survive this day this is uh, the very fa- by the way the hebrew of this chapter is, is stunning um so many amazing phrases and so much can be learned from the from the fine hebrew of this chapter but this is indeed the if you ever hear people talking about the the chapter of the shirata kerem the song of the vineyard uh, that's this chapter Enough for today. See you tomorrow.